Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. It's been an exciting week for baseball in downtown Buffalo as the Toronto Blue Jays have just finished up their first homestand at Salem Field and went 3-2 and two over the week, picking up victories against the Miami Marlins in a series sweep and also hosting the Houston Astros in front of fans, which was an exciting time in downtown Buffalo this past week. And coming up here on the Power Alley, we'll check in with Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News, get his thoughts on what it was like to have fans back at the ballpark here in 2021, what the national perception of Salem Field has been since the Blue Jays have called downtown Buffalo home, not only for the first five games in the month of June, but also in 2020 and what it meant in the American League and NL East. And also we'll get Mike's thoughts going forward, what it means for the affiliation between the Bisons and the Toronto Blue Jays and the longstanding relationship between both front offices. Also coming up later in the Power Alley, we'll recap the first week of baseball in AAA this past week as the Bisons hosted the Syracuse Mets for a six-game series in Trenton, New Jersey, and a lot of great offensive performances helping lead the way for the Bisons. We'll tell you how the team did and also tell you about a notable milestone in franchise history in the process of the six-game series against the Syracuse Mets. But first, as we mentioned, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News was inducted into the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Fame in 2013. The longtime Bison beat reporter for the Buffalo News has covered not only the Bisons, not only the Toronto Blue Jays, but Major League Baseball and many World Series in the process in his time here for the Buffalo News. And I wanted to get Mike's thoughts on what it has meant to Buffalo not only to have baseball back, but the Toronto Blue Jays occupying Salem Field. And from the fan perspective, what it's been like to go to Salem Field and see Major League Baseball. Yeah, you know, Pat, it was something you didn't ever think you would see here, looking at fans in the ballpark. We were there last year. You were there, too. And it was surreal. There was no one there. It was quiet. No games going on. The jersey said Yankees and Red Sox. Didn't feel like it. It's going to feel like it this year when those two teams are there. It felt like it with the Marlins in the building. Um, I think the one thing that will stand out to me is opening night, seeing fans in there for the first time. Robbie Ray, one and two count in the first inning, and people are chanting for the third strike. Uh, the Vladdy Guerrero home run, obviously a huge moment, but just the fact they were behind the Blue Jays right from the start. And I really said to people, I hoped the Blue Jays didn't start in Buffalo against the Yankees because I knew they weren't getting a home field advantage in Dunedin, and I knew they would here. It was good to start against the Marlins and Astros. They feel like they're home now. And I felt like just talking to some folks from the Blue Jays organization, even the amount of Blue Jays, jerseys, T-shirts, hats, everything exceeded their expectations. I think a lot of local Blue Jay fans sort of came out of the woodwork this year and are showing their support in a big way. They are. Charlie Montoyo, the manager, said it before the first game. He said, I came out of the clubhouse. I saw people in the stands with Blue Jays caps on. And I don't know if they totally understood what they were going to get here. I think they knew it wasn't going to be like Dunedin, but I don't think they thought in any way, shape, or form they were going to get the kind of support they have in these first five games. And the players certainly took to it. The, the staff took to it. The front office took to it. Ross Atkins talked to it. Ross Atkins, the GM, talked to us on Sunday. They were taken by it. It's really been more than they even expected. I, I loved your Sunday column uh, this past weekend uh, after Mark Shapiro, the president and CEO of the Blue Jays, spoke to the media before the first game. And uh, the word relationship was used a lot. And you know, you you uh, picked up on that and harped on it quite quite well in, in your column. And just what is that relationship for fans that might not have had a chance to hear or see uh, Mark Shapiro's comments and what it has meant for the Blue Jays, not only the Bisons? 
Well, you and I know because we've been around the ballpark a long time, but Mark Shapiro, the president and CEO of the Blue Jays, has a relationship with the Bisons that goes back to 1994. When he was the 28, 29-year-old farm director of the Cleveland Indians, he was in the ballpark the first day the Indians were announced as the new parent club. He was the farm director. He built the playoff teams in 95, 96, 97, and 98, the last two that were iconic championship clubs. He became the general manager of the Cleveland Indians in 2007. They got to game seven of the ALCS. The whole team was Bisons. The manager was Eric Wedge. The pitching coach was Carl Willis. Rick Jamison was the trainer. Jim Rosenhaus was in the broadcast booth and what, 15, 16 players had come through Buffalo. So that relationship, like Shapiro said, it doesn't go back just the eight years the Blue Jays have been in Buffalo or the six years he's been in Toronto. It goes back decades. And that's very rare between a parent club and a AAA affiliate. And that's why these relationships are built in trust. The Bisons know the Blue Jays don't have ulterior motives here. They're just trying to play their games. The Blue Jays know they want to keep the Bisons as a long-term partner, so they're willing to fund a multi-million dollar renovation of Salem Field, <coughs> excuse me, for the player amenity areas that MLB is mandating. So that relationship is built on trust. It's something fans may not understand that these two sides go back nearly 30 years, and it's really been beneficial and important for these last two seasons in particular. Absolutely. And I think back to last year and how quickly everything had to come together uh, in terms of, you know, other cities were involved in would the Blue Jays play their home games in, whether it's Pittsburgh or Baltimore at certain times. But the, the quick nature of how things had to come together, that what, that's what helps the relationship and makes the relationship so special that Mark Shapiro and the Blue Jays can call maybe Mike Wichkowski, the president of Rich Baseball, and have those conversations. And in a couple of weeks, be playing games in a ballpark that is a triple-A ballpark retrofitted to be a big league stadium. And what the Bisons did last year was the same thing as this year. A lot of local vendors were involved. The Blue Jays essentially said to them, get us your vendor who does this. Get us your electrician. Get us your tech support guy. Get us somebody who does signage. And the Bisons were just contacting a lot of their local vendors and putting them on board to do stuff for the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays were writing the checks. Um, it's something that they understand the Bisons can work for them. The Bisons obviously are a well-oiled operation and the Blue Jays understand that and that helped. Last year, you're right, it was a chaotic two to three week run just to get that thing up and ready. This year they knew, they kind of knew they were coming. This has gone on for several weeks now. They've had a lot more time to plan. They had a lot more time to execute the plan and you see the results here. And again, it's, it's a win-win for Buffalo. The short-term angst, is not having the Bisons in town this year. Maybe not for the whole season. Having the Bisons in Trenton. Your team not here for two full seasons. The long-term benefit of the ballpark for the player development end to have the franchise locked up for the license for 10 years is huge. And Pat, you know, whether it happens in August or whether it's not until next April, think about what that first game is going to be when the Bisons are back in Salem Field. Think about that first game when the Blue Jays are back in Rogers Center. Those are going to be emotional moments for people. And I really think the one thing, if the Bisons aren't here this season at all, 2022 could be a great year here because they're going to have all winter to plan and brainstorm and think of things and welcome their team back for the first time in what would be over two years come April of 22 and really could make that season one of the more memorable ones in recent years at the ballpark. You couldn't be more right, and I, I have to think of my broadcast partner, Duke McGuire, uh, you know, the Buffalo Baseball Hall of Famer, who 
you know, I haven't sat next to uh, for one and a half seasons now and looking forward to the first game back when Duke and I are calling games again. Uh, and some of the faces that, yes, we've seen a few at the ballpark um, in, in this first homestand, but I think it'd be great to see all the familiar faces uh, that have we've come to know over 34 years at the downtown ballpark and to see them back in the Bison's back, it'll all feel right again. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that in this first week of the Blue Jays season, I've seen some people at the ballpark, workers and such, who I didn't see last year. Remember, there were basically no workers in the ballpark last year. You know, it was shut down. It was tight. There were probably fewer than 300 people in the ballpark last year, counting the players and coaches and the umpires as the Blue Jays were playing the Yankees. It was basically very little security. There were no ushers, no concession workers. It was locked down. This year, it's running regularly now you have ushers you have concession workers and some of the people you see but you're right you don't see a lot of the faces you normally see and the press box is not accessible you know there's different communities in the ballpark the press box is one of them people don't realize we're not in the press box the press box is rejected by major league baseball for ventilation reasons the windows don't open but it's really not in use because the blue jays have taken it over as their office so the media has fine accommodations outside under the overhang in the 100 level, but we don't have that feeling of press box community we have during a Bisons game and the banter going on from booth to booth. And you miss that and you, hope, you certainly hope to see that return someday. And you mentioned the media set up uh, what it was last year and again this year. And I have to ask you about you know, what, what are your conversations maybe with some out of town media that maybe came through last year or through this first homestand what, what were their impressions uh, of how the ballpark played, looked, uh, felt, and everything they've observed? The biggest thing last year was how quickly it all came together. And they understood that this must be a pretty good AAA ballpark if it came together that quickly. Now, the lighting last year wasn't perfect. The Yankees, in particular, complained about some of the lighting. The Yankees had a lot of complaints about everything, but that's the Yankees. Um, they also were complaining they lost five out of seven games and had a 10-run inning against them, too. So that may have been part of it. Um, the visiting writers didn't mind the accommodation. Everybody's tired of being on Zoom. That has nothing to do with the ballpark. That's just the reality of life right now. Um, the seating was fine. Everything was good this year. Same thing. Everything has been good. The Houston reporters traveled. Um, we had a Miami writer here. They didn't, Miami writers didn't come last year. It was basically Yankees and Mets. It seems like everybody's traveling now. Um, and they're impressed with the new look. The lights have been terrific. I mean, people who have not been to a game who come down for a night game will be shocked at the lighting. Now, there are two temporary towers there adding more for broadcast, but it is terrific. And, you know, the dancing effect when a Blue Jay player hits a home run, that'll stay when the Bisons are here. So it's really pretty cool to see. And I think the reviews have been pretty good. We'll see as we go forward here, Pat, do we get any local broadcasters coming in right now the broadcasters aren't traveling a lot of radio teams are starting to travel i would think we would start to see them in buffalo assuming the blue jays can work things out upstairs and get them a booth um television i don't know but that's something else to see and even last year when it was on yes and sny the look of the ballpark looked terrific having that upper deck does make it look quite a bit better than what you saw in dunedin and, and I, I think we'll see that again when the yes network shows games next week and it's just something so simple, but as we're talking here, I just think about, you know, MLB game day and how the backdrop of downtown Buffalo and the scoreboard <laughs> and, and everything, it was Salem Field and just those little things that, that we kind of take for granted, but it's just so unique and fun to see that stuff as well. 
we see the sign to the 190 and the Peace Bridge and, you know, the throughway. So, yeah, it, there, there are little things there that make it real that you really are in the major leagues and game day is one of them for sure. You know, seeing games on the extra innings package and, you know, seeing the box scores and it says at the end of the box scores, you know, excites Salem Field. Um, that's something you never, frankly, thought you would see in your lifetime. That dream went away in 1991. That's almost that's 30 years ago, Pat. And here we are. It actually happened. And, you know, I understand it took a global pandemic for it to happen, but it now has happened in our lifetime. And we don't know what we're going to see this year, Pat. I mean, we could be looking at October 3rd. We don't know. Right now, the only thing they're committed through is July 21st. I certainly think they're going to be here that first home stand in August. We don't know after that what's going to happen with the Canadian border and the Blue Jays. And here's the biggest thing. Mark Shapiro has asked us. He said, I'd like to have the chance to answer the question. I don't know. Would you go back to the Rogers Center with no fans? Or would you stay in Buffalo knowing that you're probably going to come close to filling this stadium every night rooting for the Blue Jays? And he wouldn't touch it. He said, I don't want to deal in hypotheticals. He said, I'd like the chance to even ask that question. But he did say we would be talking to partners, sponsors. We would talk, be talking to the players and coaches about that question that would be an interesting conversation because do they want to move their families again? Do they want to go home to Toronto and play in front of no fans when you got people cheering wildly in Buffalo? Do the Blue Jays want to go home with no revenue where there's revenue in Buffalo? So there's a lot of questions here that need to be answered that are going to be very interesting. Mike, we'll talk about some of the players and what's made this relationship special in a second, but I just one more question about, you know, fan, fan experience, but uh, you know, I think of our friends, Andrew Kulik and Peter Farrell and, they love to travel to other ballparks and have a group of friends that have visited them all. And I saw them in Buffalo over the weekend. Do you think Salem Field, now that it, it, into its second season, has had Major League Baseball, that it's a destination for baseball fans, period, to maybe check that another ballpark off their list? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it that some of these road trippers are going to try to get here this year, knowing it came back and fans are available. You know, people, you know, Andrew Kulik and Peter Farrell have looked into it. People go to Puerto Rico and Mexico for games. They go to these off sites. Many people went to London. You know, people can't go to Field of Dreams. There's not many tickets or Williamsport, not many tickets for those, but they do try to go to these off sites and Buffalo is accessible for people. And Brian McTaggart of MLB.com, the Houston writer, he came, He's on the road trip. He even tweeted out one of the reasons he came was they were in Buffalo and he wanted to check it off. I think he said it was his 45th major league baseball stadium. How do I get to 50? And I was saying, ah, you're going to need China, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, some of those off sites. And he's like, yeah, he said, but this was a good one. He came specifically to add to his list because it was a major league game. And such a unique experience that uh, I know we'll all, we'll all remember. I want to ask you about, go back to the relationship portion of the Bisons and Blue Jays and the comfort level for many of these players who have come through Buffalo recently, 2018, 2019, I think back in the games that have been played here, I think almost everybody except for, you know, a couple of members of the starting rotation have played a game in Salem field. How has that response been from the players? Well, the funny part is you talk to guys who have played here and they say point blank when they first got here last year. And again, this year, they're, they get lost. They get lost in the service level. They don't know where things are. They're trying to figure out, wait a second, what used to be here? You know, the Bison's clubhouse, for people who don't know, is being used as the coach's clubhouse for the Blue Jays. 
the visitors clubhouse and all the walls and everything down there have been blown out to make a giant blue Jays clubhouse on the third base side. And when this is all said and done after 34 years in the first base side, the Bisons are going to be in the third base side and the visitors are going to take the old Bisons clubhouse. So the players have been blown away by their accommodations. The other thing is there's a new building behind right field by that ramp that takes you from Washington street down to the exchange street parking lot. People might see that Brown building as they're walking by. What is that? That's the new batting cage and pitching mound structure. That's something that's going to really enhance this ballpark. And that opened up the room in the service level for the clubhouse renovation. So that's a big factor. The field is new. The infield and outfield is new, but the players are familiar with how it plays. We've seen some of the visiting teams and they've had to worry about the wind sun. Dusty Baker said Friday, the first thing the Astros did, they brought all the outfielders out on the field at three o'clock in the afternoon and they were counting steps in the warning track. The coaches were hitting balls, trying to see the caroms. Would the ball hug the wall? Would it bounce out? So there's a lot of unfamiliarity. Some of these teams have guys who've never, a lot of guys who've never been here. Remember the East teams were here last year. You're going to see the Astros and the athletics and the Indians and the Rangers Twins, Royals, Tigers, all these Central and West teams weren't here last year. Many of their players won't know Salem Field. Some will if they've played in AAA. So that's an inherent advantage to the Blue Jays they need to take advantage of. Didn't help them over the weekend with the Astros losing two or three, but the Astros are a pretty good team too. You mentioned things that players have to uh, account for, whether it be the weather. One thing they won't have to account for anymore are the bullpens in foul territory and just how uh, impressive in neat those look in right center field um, and how, how those have now come off the field and, and will enhance the, the players, uh, you know, experience, if you will, in game uh, even more so. Well, MLB wanted those off the field. Um, they're off the field now at Wrigley Field. They're off the field in San Francisco. I think they're still on the field in Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, but there's a lot of room. It was a hazard in Buffalo. They were on the field and there was not a lot of room. So MLB really pushed that, and the Blue Jays knew that. And remember, Rowdy Telez hurt his knee last year in the bullpen in Buffalo. Yeah, I think he—I think actually Rowdy Telez didn't get hurt on the mound. I think he slipped on the home plate marker in the bullpen. So they got those out of there, and then what do you do with them? You needed to build a structure. They just didn't have time to do that last year. They wanted to do it last year. There was no time. You now have a two-tiered structure. It looks a little bit like what you see at Camden Yards, or at Citizens Bank Park in Philly or Progressive Field in Cleveland, both teams out in right center field, one on top of the other. Matt Bushman, the Blue Jays' bullpen coach, did a Zoom with us last week, said it was major league all the way, a great structure, able to get their work done. And that's another thing. That's going to be there forever, Pat. The Bisons are here. The bullpens are out in right center field now forever. Now, you lose a little fan interaction. I know over the years people have liked chatting with guys in the bullpen, but the bottom line here is these are highly – tuned professional athletes you just can't take the injury risk anymore that we were taking here at Salem Field and it's a great move it wasn't cheap and the Blue Jays got it done and it's been terrific it looks great I joked with our general manager Anthony Sprague that it's a great sponsorship opportunity to get somebody to sponsor a bullpen car and bring that in from from uh, the outfield well yeah the bullpen car but sponsorship opportunities are all over the place. Now there's walls in the back of both of those bullpens and you know, the Bisons are going to sell them, you know, and that's not anything new. Look at the major leagues. There's ads all over the bullpens. You know, there really aren't many out there. I'm trying to think there aren't that many out there right now. Um, the Bisons will sell them for sure. It's more opportunities, more signage, but ultimately 
everything here is about player amenity and player safety. And we saw it just wasn't safe last year. It was time to get those moved. And with those amenities and the how permanent they are, what do you think it does going forward in 2022 for the Blue Jays to attract uh, the veteran free agents, the seven-year free agents that um, you know are really hallmarks of what we have known AAA baseball to be and help you round out a team to be able to show things off like a brand new major league caliber clubhouse or those batting cages outside as well? I think it's going to be a big help. I think this relationship is good for that anyway at times. The whole out of sight, out of mind thing is tough on the minds of minor leaguers. Well, you're never out of sight, out of mind. If you're in Buffalo and they're with the Toronto Blue Jays, you can be in a car and be at the game that night if the Bisons have a day game. And a couple guys have done it in the past. Um, but I think you're right. I think if I'm a free agent, I'm thinking of signing with Toronto. Hey, I can go to Buffalo. I saw the games on TV. Oh, my buddy played there. I heard about the new clubhouse. That's a pretty big clubhouse. That's a major league clubhouse the Blue Jays used. I don't think there's any question it becomes a factor going forward here for free agent signees. They want to be comfortable. As it is, Pat, guys like it here. It doesn't get brutally hot in the summer. They're well taken care of by the organization. Yeah, and having a ballpark really made up in the player amenity end that everyone knows was used in the major leagues is going to help. And I know the Bisons have played in Trenton this year and they've been on the road all season long, but I think that's one thing that Duke, Duke McGuire and I have talked about a lot in the last couple of years is attracting those seven-year free agents to help the Bisons uh, roster. And someone like Bravig Valera, who, who was in scranton Wilkesbury in 2019, would have been a part of Buffalo's plans last year. He's back with the team this year. And you think about some of those, the other arms that uh, bullpen-wise, whether it was signing a guy like A.J. Cole, who ended up in the big leagues last year, that's part of the relationship um, that I think is very beneficial for both sides that the Blue Jays and the Bisons come together and can attract a lot of those players. Well, and you think of Christian Cologne too, the infielder who's in Trenton with the Bisons. He had the game-winning hit in the 12th inning in the clinching game of the 2015 World Series for the Kansas City Royals. And he signed with the Blue Jays and is playing with the Bisons right now. Um, those are the kind of guys that can impact your team. We've seen it in the past over and over again. And the Blue Jays are going to be able to attract those kind of players, certainly not in a place like Trenton, you know, in a temporary setup there. But when they're back in Salem Field next year and people know the setup and the Blue Jays can send guys video and pictures if they want. And, you know, the same the same B-roll they sent all the media, they could just use that as a free agent recruiting tool. Here's the clubhouse. Here's the field. Throw some new pictures of the games in there and off you go. But, yeah, that's going to be a major, major impact for the Bisons going forward. I know as we wrap up here, just, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, not, not only the Bisons are on the road this year, but they were, don't have the opportunity uh, to chat daily with Casey Candell and, and, and hear some of his stories because uh, his legendary Bisons and uh, baseball career, a baseball family um, would have been great to, to talk, talk about every day. Yeah. I mean, Pat, obviously I covered those teams when Casey Candell was here and we had some conversations in the clubhouse that, uh, some of them wouldn't be fit for the family newspaper and some of them were just simply hilarious. You know, the stories of Casey Kandel legendary, you know, back in the pre 9-11 days, riding the airport luggage conveyor belt, you know, uh, tricks in the airport. Remember the team flying commercial. Sometimes there were some pranks on other passengers, but he's just a guy who keeps everything light. 
you know, he's still that way now, 60 years old. You can go on YouTube. There's a, a mic'd up segment when he was the first base coach in Seattle a few years ago. And it's hilarious. He's dancing in the dugout and just, he, he, you know, he's a, a jabber mouth at first base talking nonstop. And I think he's a guy who really keeps things light. And I think he really wanted to manage in Buffalo. I think he's enjoying the gig. I saw him obviously in Trenton. Um, I think certainly they wish they were in Buffalo, but circumstances change. They know, they know, they understand what's going on here. He's happy in the Blue Jays organization, but yeah, that's a guy who he had a lot of fun. And let's not forget her, Pat. He played here a lot and won a lot while he had fun. And then what happened after he left the next year, 1998, after he helped Bob Rich get the first ring in 1998, where did Casey Candell play? For the New Orleans Zephyrs, beating the Bisons in the AAA World Series. So not only a great, fun player, a utility guy, played a lot of positions, Casey Candell is a winner. Mike, I appreciate you taking some time today to chat with us. Looking forward to seeing Salem Field again uh, for the Blue Jays, and then uh, whenever the Bisons do come back, it'd be great to see in the press box again. It sure will, Pat. And the Blue Jays and Yankees next week, that's going to be interesting. The Yankees are struggling, the Blue Jays – Tough schedule. They need to get the schedule to soften up to help in the playoff race. It's going to do that after this week. But, yeah, it should be fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at the ballpark again. Our thanks again to Mike Harrington for joining us here in the Power Alley. Hopefully we see Casey Candell in downtown Buffalo very soon and can joke with him and Mike about some of those moments that Mike mentioned in Casey's playing tenure with the Buffalo Bisons. Well, Casey's team was back at it this past week, hosting the Syracuse Mets at Trenton Thunder Ballpark. And as the Bisons enter play on Tuesday, they occupy third place in the AAA East Northeast Division standings. Buffalo and Lehigh Valley tied in third place, four games back of Scranton Wilkesbury. The Bisons are 15 and 13, entering play on Tuesday following the league wide off day, Monday, June the 7th. Worcester in between the Bisons and the Rail Riders. The Woo Sox are 17 and 13, three games back of Scranton Wilkesbury, who have not lost 10 games yet this season. They're 19 and 9, and they will visit Trenton Thunder Ballpark this week. A fun six game series is coming up after Buffalo was just in Scranton Wilkesbury, remember, over a week ago. A rain shortened series due to a couple of postponements and one game that was moved to part of a doubleheader. The Bisons and Rail Riders getting set for a six game set. This past week, the Bisons offense exploded, helping the team to a 3-3 record against Syracuse. And you have to start with Kevin Smith. The AAA rookie has now reached base in 20 straight games for the Bisons, a mark that began on May the 12th. And for Smith, seven hits against Syracuse this past week, opening the month of June with a 350 batting average. He's increased his overall batting average to 253 raising it nearly 30 points in the process. His slash lines have been great over the first six games of the month as well. An on-base percentage of 480, slugging of 650, and an overall OPS of 1.130. Smith had one home run this past week against Syracuse. It came on June the 5th. He now has six homers on the season. That's tied with Riley Adams. Adams, the backstop for the Bisons this year, really coming into his own, hitting 417 through the first handful of games in June, including three home runs in the process, also had four RBIs. The Bisons' backstop is hitting 417 in the month of June, clubbing a couple of home runs this past week against Syracuse, increasing his total to tie with 
Kevin Smith for six on the season. Adams now up to nine RBIs as well. Both of those AAA rookies helping led by Tyler White, one of the veterans on the Bisons roster, four RBIs against Syracuse this past week. And Christian Colon continues to lead the team in several offensive categories, hitting 337, the best batting average on the team amongst qualified batters through the first 28 games of the season. So 28 games, 28 hits for Colon. And he has been uh, one of the offensive stalwarts for the Bisons early on this season. 16 RBIs, one of the highest marks on the team. He looks up at Kevin Smith. Smith, not only that 20-game on base streak, leads the team in home runs, leads the team in RBIs. On the base paths, Forrest Wall is one of the best base stealers in all of AAA baseball. 12 steals on the year. He's second, not only in AAA East, but in all of AAA baseball. 12 steals, only one caught stealing. And for Forrest Wall, he had 14 total stolen bases going back to 2019. Only four of those coming with the Bisons in the process. So Forrest Wall getting on base for the Bisons this year and getting over an in-scoring position. He has scored 13 runs this year, one of the highest marks on the team as well. One of five Bison players in double figures in terms of runs scored in the 2021 season as well. And also a major league injury rehab stint began on Sunday as Kevin Biggio, working his way back to the big leagues, had a home run in his first plate appearance against Syracuse, a game in which the Bisons would defeat the Mets 5-2 to and helping Buffalo earn the series split against the Mets. So Kevin Biggio, who we've seen play third base in the big leagues this season, had four plate appearances in his first game in AAA on his major league rehab assignment, played third base in the process as well. And we look forward to seeing Kevin back in the big leagues very soon. If we talk about Major League Injury Rehab Assignments, you have to talk about the Bison's pitching staff, which saw several this past week against Syracuse. Anthony Kay was originally scheduled to start two Sundays ago against scranton Wilkesbury, but Reigns in Moosic, PA, forced the postponement of Kay's rehab assignment. He was one of three pitchers, including Patrick Murphy and Thomas Hatch, all making Major League Injury Rehab appearances with the Herd this past week. Anthony Kay, after successfully completing his rehab outing, coming back from a blister on the fourth digit on his left hand, was recalled to Toronto and then activated off the injured list and optioned to the Bisons. Anthony Kay is now in the Bisons' starting rotation, scheduled to start the opener against scranton Wilkesbury on Tuesday night in Trenton, New Jersey. Also, T.J. Zoik picked up his first AAA victory of the season, a stellar seven innings worth of work following Thomas Hatch, who made the Major League Rehab start for Buffalo. Hatch went two innings. T.J. Zoik went the rest of the way. Seven innings, scattering seven hits, only one earned run, picked up a strikeout in the process. Zoik now 1-3 on the season, trying to regain the form that we saw in downtown Buffalo in 2019 with a former first-round pick. Every fifth day took the baseball and was a stalwart in the starting rotation for the Buffalo Bisons. As we mentioned, scranton Wilkesbury will visit Trenton Thunder Ballpark this week. Tune in next week into the Power Alley. We'll recap how this week goes against the AAA East Northeast Division leaders. Hopefully the Bisons can gain some ground on their division foes. And as I mentioned, Buffalo actually earned a milestone this past week, notching their 200th franchise victory against Syracuse, Buffalo now 201 all-time victories against their Thruway Cup rivals. So the Bisons notching another feather in their cap against Syracuse this past week, albeit in Trenton, New Jersey. 
for the Bisons have eclipsed the 200-win mark in the modern era dating back to 1985 against Syracuse. We'll tell you how this week goes against Scranton Wilkesbury and have another great guest lined up for you next week in the Power Rally. I'm Pat Melicaro. We'll talk to you next time.